you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Well, all right, welcome again. Good to see you. Glad we can uh, talk a little bit. If you uh, didn't catch Aaron's sermon from last Sunday, uh, you should catch that. I th- we post those even. There's like a, a whole podcast thing. I don't even know how to find them, uh, but they exist, okay? And, and I'm going to keep going with the agrarian theme, okay? So, so we're going to talk some more about some seeds and some planting. Uh, it'll be important to know that uh, Aaron's sermon was, was about a greenhouse that she had started uh, working on. And it was this, this project to kind of redeem this image of cultivating a space for something to flourish. And it was kind of how she was processing through how Kaleo might be that kind of space where we would cultivate something so that something might grow and flourish. And, and I just kept thinking about that uh, over and over this week. Um, we, we came up at the end uh, of her sermon last Sunday, and she had a little thing of seeds that she had used to plant, and we could grab a seed, and, and it was minuscule. And, and I just kept thinking about holding that seed, and so I couldn't shake that I probably was going to talk about the, the parable of the mustard seed. Um, and so that's where we've found ourselves today. But before I get us into the parable of the mustard seed, the whole premise of maybe cultivating a space for things to flourish, period, or even just being a community of people that create space to practice the ways of Jesus together would be this idea of like embodying the kingdom of God, right? And so you kind of like, okay, what is, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is like what, if you will, right? And that's where we get all of these great parables that start to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And so if we want to know what the kingdom of God is like, which is a very important theme throughout the, the Gospels, by the way, if you haven't read those, you should look into those. They're very nice. Um, and we go, what is the kingdom of God like? And so I figure we should ask Jesus what the kingdom of God is like, because at the outset of Jesus's ministry, he declares right away, especially in Mark's gospel, the first thing he says, he's like, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is in our midst. And he's announcing over and over again throughout his time on earth that the rule and reign of God is visible in his embodied person in his ministry. That's how we'll know what the kingdom of God looks like is Jesus is going to show us that. Throughout the Gospels, he doesn't stop preaching about the kingdom of God and acting the kingdom of God and describing the kingdom of God. So it's central then, if you will, to the way that Jesus lives and preaches, so much so that the very one time, we got one time, where we have record of Jesus teaching his followers how to pray. And he says to them, pray like this. May God's kingdom come soon is at the the heart of that Lord's prayer. It's the one time that like, teaches how to pray. He's like, all right, pray like this. And you pray that the kingdom would come soon. So it seems if you're going to be the people of God, if you're going to follow and practice the ways of Jesus, then maybe the kingdom of God is a big deal. And if that's the case, it leads us to the question, like how do we describe the kingdom of God? How do we know if it's in our midst, if it's at hand, if it's among us, right? So we're going to ask, Jesus. And Jesus, and in fact, will answer us. We're going to look at Mark 4, 30 through 32. 
very short section. Uh, You can look it up, I suppose, if you want to. There's Bibles around, but I'm just going to read it to us. Here's what it says. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? See where I got the question from, right? He says, what story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. See? Now you know what the kingdom of God is like. Settles it, right? You're like, yeah. It's like a mustard seed and a plant and some shade for the birds. Right? All right, not quite. We've got some questions. All right, so okay, if you've got some questions and you're intrigued, let's pray and then we'll do our best to dive into this little parable. Again, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are here with you, among you. You are with us and among us, and we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your desire to to teach us, to help us become like your son Jesus, to follow you, to wrestle out our questions and concerns. But on this particular day, God, would you help us to describe at the least your kingdom, but also have eyes to see where your kingdom might be planted in the ground, where your kingdom might be flourishing into a plant, and where your kingdom might be providing shade and shelter. Pray that you give me your words to speak, words that are for you, from you, honor you, God. Love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So before we figure out what the heck Jesus is saying to us here or why he's even saying it, we've got to answer another question first. So we've got to go backwards and answer some more questions before we answer the question, which is a very Jesus thing to do. What is a parable? We can't, we can't just go into this parable of the mustard seed, assuming we all know what a parable is or that we all have the same idea of what the parable is. We actually might have a bunch of different opinions about a parable. So I'm going to do my best to offer my opinions on what a parable is. A parable is not answers. And I think that's a really hard thing to shake at the beginning. I think maybe we are often prone to think if we've spent much time in church spaces or reading the scriptures, we might be thinking that the parables are supposed to be answers. But rather, the parables have always been an invitation to enter into a conversation and think and spin it around. It's, it's, if, it's like a form of art is actually a great way to think of a parable. right? It, an art piece is meant to provoke something, a stirring, attention to something. Parables do, though, help us prioritize because there's questions connected to the parables. We start to answer questions like what should matter most and why. The parables situate us in a place in which we might be able to at least try to answer those questions. And yet, every parable has to be approached in its own right so that we don't assume that it functions like other parables. So in a sense, it's its own work of art that stands alone as its own story. Not all parables are created equal, if you will. Scholar Klein Snodgrass, that's his real name. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. But here's, here's what Klein Snodgrass says. 
He says, the immediate aim of a parable is to be compellingly interesting, and in being interesting, it diverts attention and disarms. A parable's ultimate aim is to awaken insight, stimulate the conscience, and move to action. All in those three little verses. How cool is that, right? Another way that I like to think of parables is from the scholar Amy Jill Levine, who she's a, a Jewish scholar, and so she approaches them from a Jewish lens, and she calls parables wedges, right? Like, think of like wedging itself into something that moves us off our axis, causes us to see things from fresh angles or in new ways, right? To, to cause us to explore a bit. Again, kind of like art. Or to put it the way I would describe it, a parable is not what you think it is, but it kind of is, you know, sometimes. It's really helpful, isn't it? So we don't know what a parable really is because each one is its own thing. However, we do know that all parables address questions. So let's revisit the question. Jesus asks again in Mark 4, verse 30, how can I describe the kingdom of God? He says, what story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed, he says, planted in the ground. It is the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. What is the kingdom of God? First, pertaining to the kingdom of God, Jesus would have been telling his followers or those gathering near that it's coming. But in fact, they wouldn't have needed to be reminded that it was coming. That was a Jewish expectation, that there was a kingdom or a reign and rule of God that was coming, that was at hand. What Jesus needed them to know was that the future kingdom was in fact already present in Jesus' teaching and work. He was showing them what the kingdom of God was really like, what the rule and reign of God looked like lived out on earth. And so as always, on any level, if you want to know what the rule and reign of God is like, we watch the way Jesus lives. We listen to the things he says. And then we kind of get an image. But this parable is of a mustard seed. And the basics are this. The kingdom of God starts small like a seed. And I find myself actually keep doing this as if I have a tiny seed in my palm. So at any time you see my hand go out, just assume there's an imaginary little seed in there, right? Because that's what the kingdom of God is like. Where in fact, from there, you can't see it here. It's kind of the point he's making, right? And then this small seed that is the kingdom of God, it begins, it begins to flourish into a plant with branches and shade. It becomes something healing, sheltering, growth. And I go, yeah, why does Jesus need a parable to tell us this, right? There must be more when we plumb the depths and we spin the jewel, if you will, of Jesus's parable telling. It can't just be as simple as that because then why would he tell us the story of the mustard seed? He'd just be like, hey, kingdom's kind of small and then it grows. Right? And you're like, yeah, actually, it makes sense. We're here 2,000 years later in a country that it wasn't in. Okay, get it, Jesus, right? But, look, but then why the parable? Why the art? Right? Why, why the provoking ways of thinking or being disarmed or, or strolling through a story again? 
There's three parts to this parable. One, we have a small mustard seed. See it? We have a plant with branches. And then we have birds taking shelter in the shade. Which even just those three parts, and you start to think of what the kingdom of God is like, and you're like a mustard seed, a growing plant with branches and birds in the shade. It's like, that's kind of cool, actually. Right? You kind of, again, we're kind of disarming ourselves a bit here in the Gospels. We're not like, oh, these are the three doctrinal points that I need to know right now. We're like, oh, that's cool. We're just in the garden. Kind of how it all began. All right? So let's first look at the small mustard seed. If the kingdom of God is like a seed, what would that mean? It would mean we have to look hard, look close. We've got to pay attention, right? Do do you see it? Have you tried? There was a point actually last Sunday after we were all said and done and I was carrying around this little seed that Aaron had given us and I found myself back there in the corner talking to somebody and I dropped it. I never found it. But I looked and I tried. And literally I was down on my hands and knees and I'm like, I don't know, there's some other stuff I'm finding down here. I'm just gonna call it off right now. I I don't need the real life parable to go too far here but to the point right like have we looked are we are we trying to see the kingdom of God right because then we've got to ask ourselves why we might resist an idea that the kingdom of God is like a seed why wouldn't we want to crawl around on the ground in the dirt trying to see the seed that's been planted there Or perhaps we would question if we could really be something that's so small or easy to lose or in need of work or seemingly insignificant. Those aren't our favorite descriptors of things. And they describe a seed, and the seed ends up being like the kingdom of God. Yet still, a small seed is packed with potential. It has a dream could become something. So, however, a seed by itself can do very little. But the second phase, right, the plant it produces, though, much can be gained. The mustard plant itself offers more than a single person can use. It was the kind of garden plant used for sharing. Mustard had medicinal and curative properties to it. It was available to everyone. It's simply part of the good world that God gives. You see, when it became the plant, it had a whole different mission. It became something new. But it's also, in this parable, not just a little plant in a pot, it's a plant with long branches. So this becomes evidenced by the birds that are making nests in the branches. So first of all, it's a big enough plant, right? It's, you know, it's probably like this high, right? It's got some branches. It's not like a huge tree, okay? And full disclosure, the mustard seed was not in fact the smallest seed. So I don't know what Jesus is up to there, right? Like he's, just set, he's given us an idea. Maybe most people were familiar with the mustard seed.